Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. So now, if if you would look in your Bibles at Romans chapter 2, or Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we are, are speaking on the subject of culture shock. And culture shock is when you can go to a different country and you're just in a different environment, different foods, and it's a shock to, to your system. But in this series, we're looking at the culture that we live in instead of being consumed by it and being shocked by our culture, how we as Christians, how we can live our lives till we can shock our culture. Um, it's said about the, the, the early apostles um, in the book of Acts, when they came to a certain place, it said that they turned the world upside down. So in other words, they shocked, they shocked their culture. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, our theme verse for this series is, it says, do not be conformed uh, to this world, or as the NIV says, to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. So the dictionary.com, it, it's, it states what culture shock is, a state of bewilderment, distress, experienced by an individual who was suddenly exposed to a new, strange, or foreign social or cultural um, environment. And so last week, Pastor Matt, um, when he was speaking on the subject of, of Moses, he talked about his first mission, missionary trip and the shock to his system that he experienced in, in Mexico. And so in 2012, I believe, I went on my first missionary trip with Pastor Matt and we went to Ghana, Africa. And that's the first time that I ever set foot out of the United States other than going to Canada. And so it was a major shock to, to our system. So we got in late at night on a, on a Saturday night. The next morning, we got up and we uh, did a, a service at the church in Accra, which is a city about 5 million people. And then after that, that Monday morning, we got up around 3 o'clock in the morning and we traveled all the way up to the northern part of Ghana to a city called Tomli. And so across at the, is the, on the south down by the ocean. And so Tomley is up at the northernmost part. And Ghana is only about the size of Minnesota. And so, you know, how long does it take to go from the bottom to like Rochester all the way up to the northern part of Minnesota? Maybe four or five hours. It took us 17 hours to get up to Tomley because of just the roads. I mean, we were... We were in the boonies. I mean, it, it was tough sledding. And, you know, it's 90, 100 degrees outside, and the air conditioning goes out. And so I'm in the back seat, and Pastor Matt and his son Daniel came with us on that trip. And Daniel brought all his camera equipment. So I'm, I'm in the back seat just smushed in a, like a can of sardines between all of this camera equipment. My feet can't spread my feet out. And so for 17 hours with no air conditioning, 
and looking out the windows and, and seeing the sights and seeing the poverty, seeing the devastation, and, uh, and just experiencing all the smells. Okay, all, my, all five physical senses were involved. And, and so it was a major shock to, to, to my system. And it was so hot in that vehicle, uh, the person who was driving it accidentally had the heat on. So that made it even worse. We had to actually pull over and get Pastor Matt out of the vehicle because we thought he was going to pass out. It was so hot. And so we get to Tomley probably about midnight and, uh, or a little after. And Tomley is a very predominantly Muslim town. Okay, And so we pull into this hotel. And the hotel was right next to a, a mosque. And if you ever watch TV or the news or different movies, uh, when you're in a foreign country and you have a mosque, they'll have on their loudspeaker their, their chanting and, and their prayers. You know, and so, I mean, being me, my mind is just going all over the place. Okay, so we check in the hotel and, uh, you know, man full of faith and power ready to reach the city. What did I do? I pushed the... I pushed the, uh, the dresser, the chairs, the suitcase all in front of the door, you know. So, you know, don't look at me. You probably would have done the same thing, okay? So, uh, but I had a choice to either be consumed by that culture and let it affect me and incapacitate me, or I can embrace the truth of God's word and shock that culture and bring change and life to that culture, and in that city, they are the most, one of the most loving people that you want to meet. Even though that they're Muslim, they love people. Our car broke down again while we were there, and uh, we had to pull up to the side of the road, and uh, a Muslim man and his family came and worked on, his, worked on that vehicle and fixed it for, for us. So we have a lot of times misconceived ideas about different cultures, all right? And so we need to reach them with the love of Jesus. So, last week in, in Pastor Matt's message, he talked about seven cultural mountains that in order for the church to uh, bring change in the United States, we have to in affect each and every one of these areas. And so he talked about um, the culture of business, government, media, entertainment, education, family, and the church. We as Christians, we want to shock each and every one of those areas and turn it upside down for, for the Lord Jesus. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, um, it says, do not be conformed to this world. And so the word conformed there, it, it, it has to do with being put in a mold or pressed into a mold, kind of like, a, like if you worked in a foundry, you have a, a, a cast there and, and a mold, and that liquid or metals goes into that mold, and it stamps it, and it presses it, and it forms it into that pattern. That's what he's saying there. He's saying don't be pressed or conformed or shaped after the pattern of this world. Now, the word world there, it's another word for it, is the word age. It doesn't, it doesn't mean uh, the globe or the earth 
um, it just means the age. So in other words, it, it has to do with the times of the culture of this present age. And he doesn't want us to be pressed into that mold. And it's interesting, that same word there that's used for world, it's also used in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 4, where it says that Satan is the god of this world. He is the god of this world system or this ungodly culture. And I, I firmly believe that, that many Christians' lives, Satan wrecks havoc in their lives because they're conformed to the pattern of this world where he rules from. Because he's the God of this world system. And if we're conformed to the world system, then we open ourselves up to the attack of the enemy and we allow him to wreak havoc in our lives. Now, Paul says here how we change this is to re we renew our minds to the word of God. We have to change the way we think. How different societies and countries think their mindset determines their attitudes and practices and establishes a particular culture um, to, into that given nation. Here Paul is saying, since we have been born again and have come into a new kingdom, we are to change our mindset or the way we think. How we think will determine which culture we are a part of. How we think in our minds determines whether we are conformed to the pattern of this world or we are conformed to the pattern of the kingdom of heaven. How we think determines what culture we are a part of. And so in this series, we are talking about culture shock, and we've been looking at different biblical figures in the Bible and seeing what we can learn from them on how they impacted their culture, what things that we can learn from them and how we can impact our culture. And so today we are going to be talking about Abraham. Now, if you're a sports fan, and how many sports fans do we have out, out, out there? Packers, baseball, any Brewer fans? So in professional sports, each professional sport has their own Hall of Fame. And so where they are honored for their, for their great achievements and their accomplishments. And so the Bible also has its Hall of Fame. And it's in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and a lot of times we call that the Hall of Faith. And Abraham is listed among the members of the Hall of Faith. And so if you would, turn in your Bibles uh, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And before we do, why, why don't we just go ahead and pray? We didn't, we didn't do that er earlier. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father God, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, open up the eyes of our hearts so that we may see and know as we ought to know. Father God, I thank you that your grace is upon me to speak to your people, Father God, that, that it's your words, what you would have them to hear. We thank you, Father God, for it, that we would not be only hearers of the word, but that we would be doers, put it into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive 
as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in the foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age, she, uh, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, at, and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who spoke thus make it clear that they were seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is the desire, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so the first thing I want you to notice, it says that in verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. So when he was called, he was called to go out from his, from his father's house in, in uh, the region of Mesopotamia, and he was called to go travel, not knowing where he was to go, but he left in faith under the direction and leadership of God and settled and went to the land of Canaan, not knowing uh, that he was to, to, to be there. That's actually very similar to how God uh, brought us up here to me and my family to, to Stevens Point. In about 2005, 2006, uh, me and my wife, we felt a, a very a strong unsettling. We thought we needed to, to move. And so we thought uh, maybe Minnesota. Uh, my family have some family who lives in Minnesota, so maybe we were supposed to go there. So we went up to Minnesota and um, just visited some churches, looked at some house, but nothing, nothing settled. Nothing, there was no peace on the inside. Nothing was settled in our hearts. And um, my parents were living in Nielsville at the time, and, and they told us about Stevens Point, and they said, well, why don't you just go check out Stevens Point? And, you know, that, honest, honestly, that was the last thing that I wanted to do. Um, originally, I, I was from Wisconsin, and I just didn't want to move back. This is not the place that... It, that I, that I wanted to, to, to come, and honestly, Lord, send me anywhere, but don't send me back to Wisconsin. Love the Green Bay Packers, but I, I just don't want to live here. But as soon as we pulled up on the property, as soon as I opened up that car door, and my foot touched the asphalt, and I can show you the parking spot that we were parked in. It's right over here. It's getting redone this next month. Uh, anyways, as soon as I touched my foot on that asphalt, I knew that I was supposed to be here. This is where God had called me to be. Didn't matter if I never attended the service. Didn't matter if I never heard Pastor Matt speak. I was supposed to be here, and he was supposed to be my pastor. He was actually kind of shocked at that because uh, when, I, when I got back 
to Tulsa at the time where we were living. I called him on the phone because when we came and visited here, he was away for a couple of days, and he was kind of surprised that 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 I told him that that he was that this church was where we were supposed to be, and he was to be our pastor. And he was he was like, "You had never even heard me preach before." And I was like, it doesn't matter. This is where God has told us to, to, to be. And, our, it, and when that calling came, our hearts changed. Didn't change much for the winners, but it changed for being here. So, but he went out by faith. And so what I want to look at is four things uh, that Abraham did to affect his culture. What four things did Abraham do to shock his culture? And so, if you would, go to Genesis chapter 17, uh, 1 through 6, and we will come back to Hebrews chapter 11. So you can hold your place there, but uh, Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. And so, there's four things that Abraham did to shock his culture. Number one, he knew who God was. Number one, he knew who God was. It says in verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So many times, various times, the Lord would appear to Abraham and reveal himself to, to Abraham. And at this time, the God revealed himself as God Almighty. And so the Hebrew word is El Shaddai, the God who is all-sufficient. There's nothing missing in God. He is the supplier and the source of everything good. All blessing, all prosperity, everything that is good comes from God. And Abraham saw that and knew that. Abraham knew who God was, for God revealed himself to him. The God who is our source of all blessing and everything good, since there's not, now, now get this, since there's not anything or anyone else as good as him, then he then must be the source of all joy, of all peace, of all satisfaction. That's what Abraham saw. God was his El Shaddai. He wasn't his El Chipo. He was El Shaddai. He was the source of all satisfaction in life. Now, we also must encounter God like this. He must be the source of all our satisfaction. Now, we have something greater than what Abraham did. Abraham just knew God when he appeared to him like that. But we know God in a greater way because when we were born again, God comes and takes residence on the inside of us. And so we can encounter God and commune with God every single day. We can first communicate with God through the word, and then we commune with God through worship and prayer. And we can have an encounter with him and in his presence every single day of our lives. In order to shock our culture, in order to turn the world upside down for Jesus, you must know who your God is. Number two, Abraham knew who he was in relationship to God. 
He knew who he was. It goes on to read in verse 2, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said, Behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. He knew who he was in relationship to God because God made a covenant with Abraham. He was in covenant with Abraham. Now, the word covenant is mentioned 287 times in the Old Testament. So when something is mentioned that many times, it's pretty important. Now, a covenant was a binding agreement or a, or a pact or, or a treaty between two groups of people. And when those two groups of people made that treaty, and I, I talked about a little bit last week uh, during communion, if, if you were here, they established a relationship. And in that relationship, there's obligations and responsibilities. Now, in ancient times, we, it was often made by blood, okay? And so we see blood being shed in God's covenant with Abraham. And so in this covenant, a tribe who was of weaker and smaller standing would oftentimes make a compact, an agreement, a, a treaty with a greater tribe, a stronger tribe. And so God, being the stronger, being the source of all things, made a covenant with the weaker, Abraham. So Abraham was in covenant with God, and so everything that belonged to God now becomes Abraham's. And Abraham accepted it by faith, and his faith was counted as righteousness. And so we see... um, He says, your name shall no longer be called Abram, but your name will be called Abraham. So when he entered into that covenant, the first thing that God does is he changes his identity. He's no longer Abram, now he's Abraham, the father of many nations. And at this point, Abraham no longer calls himself Abram. He goes by his new identity. See, when we come to Christ, we come into covenant with God through Christ. Christ shed his blood, and we become one with him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says that we become joint heirs with Christ. 
Because of the shed blood of Jesus, he has made a covenant with you. Him being the stronger made a covenant with you, the weaker. So all the, everything that belongs to Christ, all his rights, all his privileges, all his blessing belongs to you because you are joint heirs with him. You are in Christ. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that, that, that the promise was made unto Abraham's seed or offspring. And then it says, and the seed or offspring is Christ. And then it says that if you've been in Christ, if you've been baptized in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if... if righteousness was imputed to Abraham, and if you are in Christ, then righteousness is given to you. You are just as righteous, just as right before God, holy before God, as Jesus is. Now think about that. You, right now, sitting in your chair, are just as righteous as Jesus is. Because you are in him. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we may be made the righteousness of God. You have become the very righteousness of God. In other words, you are in same, the same right standing with God. You've been made right with God. And so in this covenant, in this covenant in the Old Testament, um, uh, there was friendship that took place. The enmity was gone, and friendship took place. And so the enmity between us and God is no longer there. There is a friendship. There is a friendship. And Abraham actually was called the friend of God. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, uh, through verse 19, it says, Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called uncircumcision. In other words, you were out of covenant by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hand. Remember that you were once time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of, of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God. That is an awful condition that we were in, terrible con con condition. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, but now in Christ, if you are in Christ, this is available to you. In Christ, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and the commands. Verse 16 says that he reconciled us both to God. In other words, he made us right. He took away the problem, our issue that separated us, and he reconciled us to himself. In one body through the cross. Verse 19, we'll skip there. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members 
of the household of God. So just as Abraham receives a new identity, we receive a new identity. If you want to shock your culture, if you want to shock the world you live in, you have to know your identity. Your identity is not in who you were. You are, your identity is who you are in Christ. If you don't see the way God sees you, if you don't see you the way God sees you, you'll never reach your potential and you will never impact your culture. You, you will live your life contrary to Abraham. Abraham believed, saw his identity, who he was, and Isaac was birthed into this world. If you don't see who you are and your identity, contrary to Abraham, you will be spiritually impotent and unable to give birth to the dream that God has given you. You have to know who you are in Christ. If you forget who you are, you will live like you were. If you forget who you are, you will live like you were before you were even saved. So number one, Abraham knew his God. Number two, Abraham knew who he was in relationship to him. Number three, Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith. Now faith... I think is the most important subject of the Bible. The most important. Why do I think that? Well, the Bible says, without faith, you can't be saved. For it's the heart that believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So before you can confess, you have to have faith. So you can't even be saved without faith. We can't live the Christian life without faith. Because it says, we, the just shall live by faith. We can't walk the Christian walk without faith. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that, that we walk by faith and not by sight. And finally, the Bible says that we can't even please God if we don't have faith. Hebrews eleven six says, for it is impossible, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith is so important. Abraham had faith. So we read about his faith in Romans chapter 5 or Romans chapter 4. Abraham is the father of our faith. Faith starts with God, but Abraham believed God, and we are of his offspring because we are in Christ, and so he's the father of our faith. And the Bible says that in Romans chapter 4, that we are to follow in the steps that, of Abraham, the steps of faith that Abraham took. And so in Romans chapter 4, verse, um, we'll start in verse 17. Actually, let's look at verse 16. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but to those who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God 
in whom he believed. So God said, your name's Abraham. You are the father of many nations. And Abraham believed that. In whom he believed who gives life to the dead. God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So here you have Abraham and Sarah. They are old, old, shriveled up old prunes. But God called life into their bodies. God calls into existence the things that are not. And like God, like God, Abraham started calling himself the father of many nations. He started saying the same thing what God said. He started calling those things into existence in his life. He called into existence the things that, are, that do not exist in hope he believed against hope. So in other words, um, in confident expectation, he believed against all natural hope. When all natural hope was gone, he had confident expectation that, that God would meet his need and give him a son, even at 100 years old. And so look at here, in verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So even though he knew the deadness of his body, even though he knew the barrenness of Sarah's womb, he did not weaken in faith. Faith does not deny the circumstances. Faith does not deny the facts. Faith, however, believes the greater facts of God's word. And faith denies the natural facts to stay in the present con con condition. You guys understand that? Faith doesn't deny the facts, but it believes the greater facts of God's word. And he didn't allow the present circumstances to weaken his confidence if, if we are going to be people who affect our culture and our society, we have to be a people of faith that does not weaken under the circumstances. Faith, it comes from the Greek word pistis, and it, and it means a persuasion or a conviction. We have to be people who are fully persuaded of God's word. We have to be people of conviction. When there's sin running rampant, we have to stand on the truth of God's word and stand on our convictions of what we hold true. We have to stand on our convictions on the promises of God for our life. Verse 20, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. He didn't waver. He didn't go back and forth, doubting one day and believing the other day. He was consistent in his convictions. We have to be consistent in our convictions. But he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised so he was a person of faith. We must be people of faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
If you want to be a person of strong faith, then you have to be in the Word of God daily and to build your faith. So it is not weak when faced with the circumstances and the trials of life. So it doesn't crumble under sin and immorality, but stands up for the truth of God's Word. The book of Jude says, contend for the faith. We have to contend for the faith in our society. And lastly, Abraham had an eternal perspective. He lived life with an eternal perspective. So number one, Abraham knew who his God was. Number two, Abraham knew who he was in relationship to him. Number three, Abraham had a strong conviction on what God had said. He had strong faith. Number four, Abraham lived with an eternal perspective. So I remember I told you to hold your place there in, in Hebrews chapter 11. So let's go back there to Hebrews chapter 11. So it says in um, verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. So right there, we need, I just want to make this note. You have to be careful how you, trans, how you interpret that. It doesn't mean the promise of God that God made to Abraham in bearing a son. Because in chapter 6 of Hebrews, it does say that Abraham received the promise by his faith and his endurance. So what he's talking about here, when it says um, they didn't receive, he's specifically talking about, the writer of Hebrews is specifically talking about Uh, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when it says they didn't receive uh, the promise, he's talking about the fulfillment or the consummation of what God, all that God promised him. Abraham never saw his descendants as the sand of the seashore or the stars of heaven. So when it talks about here, he's talking about the consummation or the fulfillment of that promise. Um, So Let's keep reading. Um, but having seen them, they, agree, they greeted them from afar. So they, how did they see them? How, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, how did they see them? They didn't see them with their physical eye. They saw it with the eye of faith. Abraham believed God. They, said they saw it by faith. And greeted them from, from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city." So he didn't recognize the earth, the land, as his homeland. He, didn't, he had an eternal perspective where it says if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they had, would have had opportunity to return. In other words, he came from the land of Mesopotamia. If he desired his homeland, all he had to do is pack his bags and go back east and go back to his homeland. 
But he would never return to that land because his homeland was a heavenly homeland. For God had prepared a heavenly city for for him. He had an eternal perspective. He considered himself a stranger, a pilgrim, an exile in this earth with a mission, with a job. Guys, if you want to impact your culture, you have to live your life with an eternal perspective. This is not our homeland. This is not our culture. God says you are, Jesus said, even though you are in the world, you are not of the world. This is not where you're from. And if, you, if, if, if we as believers get caught up with the culture, with the society of our present day, and we don't live with an eternal perspective, we will never, we will be, never be able to do the job that God has called us to do. We will be conformed to the pattern of this world, and we will be open game for the devil to attack our lives. We have to have an eternal perspective. Philippians Chapter 3, verse 20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you all know that we are citizens of the United States. But our citizenship, our identity, doesn't uh, rely on our citizenship of of being um, Americans. We are first and foremost are citizens of heaven. That is our homeland. And so that word citizens there is actually where we get the, uh, the word politics from. And it carries with it uh, to recognize laws of citizenship and responsibilities. As citizens of heaven, we have responsibilities. We have duties as citizens of, of heaven. Just as you have a, a duties Uh, As citizens of the United States, you're supposed to vote. You're supposed to take part um, in different things in our our country. We have duties. We have responsibilities as citizens of heaven. We must live godly lives. We must live a godly, holy life before God. Abraham did this. He was righteous. He was blameless. He lived a holy life. In 1 Peter, in closing here, 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 14 through 17, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So here we have the word conformed. Don't be conformed to this world. Here Peter says, don't be conformed to the passions of your former way of life. But as he has called you is holy, you also must be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. So here he says we're in exile. Heaven is our homeland. The kingdom of God is what we are citizens of. I don't have a slide for this, but in Colossians 3.1, it talks about that we are, uh, since we've been raised up with Christ, we are to seek the things that are above and set our mind 
on heavenly things, not on earthly things. We have to be kingdom-minded and not live our life just being consumed by this culture, but being consumed by the culture of heaven. The, and what's the culture of heaven? Faith. What's the language of heaven? Faith. What's the law of heaven? Love. Love has to dominate us. Holiness has to dominate us. Faith has to dominate us. Our convictions of God's word has to dominate our lives. So if we are to shock our culture, like Abraham, know who God is. Know him for yourself. Don't know him just by reading a book about him, but know him by spending time with him in his word. Then know who you are in Christ, who you are in relationship to him. Then know that you please God by faith. Live a life of faith. And then finally, live life with an eternal perspective. Um, I'm reminded of a quote from a movie. You ever, anybody ever seen the movie Gladiator? Well, there's a, there's a line in that movie where he, where he says, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. What you do in your life, how you conduct yourself in this culture will echo in eternity. So if with every head bowed and, and, and every uh, eye closed, if you never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you don't know what it is to know God and, and, and you don't know uh, who you are in, in relationship with, with, with him, what you do, choice, you can either choose life or you can choose death. The Bible says choose life. You can know today who God is. You can have an encounter with him and experience his presence in your life. And you can reach the potential that God has purposed and designed for you. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to, to accept him in your heart, and into your life and you want him to make you a brand new person just want you to lift your hands right 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 now that is the most important decision you have just ever made in your life let's repeat this prayer after me dear father God I come humbly before you now I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I am in need of a savior. I acknowledge that I am out of covenant with you. And I ask that I be part of your covenant that you have made. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to go on the cross and shed his blood for me to remove all my sin, to remove all my shame, to remove all my guilt. I call upon you, Lord, now. 
I believe that Jesus died and he rose again to make me right with you. That there is no unforgiveness or enmity between us. But I stand in your presence whole, pure, complete, righteous, right before you. And I thank you for fulfilling your purpose and your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.